Just because you set a goal and you didn't reach it doesn't mean you did something wrong. Actually, what you probably did is set the wrong goal. This is the L3 Leadership Podcast, episode number 240. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the L3 Leadership Podcast, where we are obsessed with helping you grow to your maximum potential and to maximize the impact of your leadership. My name is Doug Smith, and I am your host, and today you're going to hear an interview that I did with one of the most influential leaders in my life, my pastor, Pastor John Nuzo. I've had the honor and privilege of sitting under John's leadership for over 17 years, and I can tell you he has been absolutely instrumental in developing my heart, my character, and my leadership, and I'm extremely grateful for that. He and his wife, Michelle, founded Victory Family Church in 1993, and they have since grown the church to literally thousands in attendance on the weekend. And for me, to be able to watch literally tens of thousands of lives be transformed over the last 17 years at Victory has been absolutely amazing. And I am incredibly grateful for their obedience to what God called them to do. And I certainly admire their leadership, and I've learned so much from their leadership. But the thing I love most about Pastor John and Michelle isn't the lessons that they teach from their experience. It's who they are. Their hearts and their lives are absolutely incredible and absolutely worth following. And I've been quoting Gerald Brooks a lot lately. He said this, he said, Sometimes in life, it's not the lesson that you need, but it's the life of a leader that you need. And I know that in my life over the last 17 years, I've desperately needed to be around Pastor John and Michelle and watch their lives so that I can grow into the leader that God called me to be. So I'm extremely grateful for them, and I hope that you'll catch a little of their heart in this interview with John today. In the interview, I specifically, you'll hear me ask John to share his advice to leaders in each of the decades of their lives. This was so good. You're going to hear him give advice for leaders in their 20s, their 30s, their 40s, 50s, and beyond. I also asked him to share what he's currently learning in his leadership journey. One of the things I greatly admire about Pastor John is his willingness to humble himself and grow regardless of how difficult it may seem. And so you'll get to hear some of the things that he's grown through recently. I'm just telling you, this is going to add so much value to your life. So get ready. But before we dive into that, just a few announcements. Leaders, I am so excited to invite you to our second annual L3 One Day Leadership Conference that's being held on Friday, March 13th, 2020, right here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. We have an incredible lineup of speakers for you this year. We have Jeff Henderson, who is a pastor at North Point Church and works with Andy Stanley. He also recently authored the book, Four. And that book is so incredible that we're actually giving a copy away to everyone in attendance at L3 One Day this year. And I've heard the talk that Jeff is going to give at the conference. And as soon as I heard it, I knew I had to have him speak at L3 One Day and share this talk. And leader, I'm telling you, you are not going to want to miss this conference just for that talk alone. In addition to Jeff, we have many other incredible speakers. We have Laura Ellsworth, who's the partner in charge of Global Community Service Initiatives at Jones Day. She's one of the best speakers I've ever heard in my life. We have Bill Strickland, who's the founder and the chairman of the Bidwell Training Center here in Pittsburgh. We have Greg Weimer, who's the partner of Confluence Financial, and a few others. And it is just going to be an incredible day. But leader, let me tell you why that I believe that you and your team need to be in the room at L3 one day, more than just who's speaking. It's because I believe you are one idea and one connection away from changing your destiny and the destiny of your organization. I'll say that again. I believe you are one idea 
and one connection away from changing your destiny and the destiny of the organization. Leaders, get in the room. Because here's what I know. You have no idea what you're missing when you're not in the room. I love what Gerald Brooks said. He said this about being in the room. He said, leadership can be taught, but it has to be caught. And when you're in a room with high-level leaders, you feel it. And often in leadership, it's not the lesson that you need. It's the life of a leader that you need. And I know for me personally, it's been the lives of the leaders that I've been able to connect with at events like L3 One Day that have meant everything for my growth. And so please join us. We're offering a special discount for podcast listeners. You can go to L3OneDay.com to register and use the promo code podcast to get 10% off of your ticket. Again, that's promo code podcast and you'll get 10% off your ticket. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Baritone Advisors. The financial advisors at Baritone Advisors help educate and empower clients to help make informed financial decisions. Find out how Baritone Advisors can help you develop a customized financial plan for your financial future. Please visit their website at Baritone Advisors, that's B-E-R-A-T-U-N-G, advisors.com. Securities and investment products and services offered through Waddell and Reed, Inc., member FINRA and SIPC. Baritone Advisors, Waddell and Reed, and L3 Leadership are separate entities. And with all of that being said, let's dive right into the interview. Here's my interview with Pastor John Nuzo. Pastor John, thank you so much for taking the time to do this interview and just tell the audience a little bit about who you are and what you do before we dive in. John Nuzo, my wife Michelle and I founded Victory Family Church in Cranberry Township, Pennsylvania 26 years ago, and we've been pastoring the church ever since. So we pastor a church. (laughs) That's what we do. It's a huge church. It's a church that greatly impacted my life and changed the trajectory of my life. And just thank you for your leadership. Thank you for your influence in my life as a pastor, as a father figure, friend, mentor. You fill all of those buckets. So just so grateful for you. That's an honor. Thanks for taking time. I know you're a busy guy. And so I appreciate it. I just want to get real about your leadership journey in the last three to five years. You know, as, as someone who loves studying leadership and watches leaders from a distance, I've been watching you. And I feel like you've been in a significant journey of growth over the last three to five years. Mm-hmm. And I, I'll just leave this broad. What have you been learning about leadership and what has God been teaching you in the last three to five years? Because I feel like it's been a significant shift. You know, the younger you are in your leadership journey, the more apt you are to want to add instead of multiply. And if you do want to multiply, it's sometimes more tied to what you think you need to produce rather than who you need to help. Mm-hmm. And so when we started the church, my ignorance level was so profound <laughs> And I'm not being self-deprecating. It's the truth that I realized that we, there was no way this should have ever worked. But I found something out about when you yield to God and his grace and you do what he asks you to do with your life and you just are honest and you just say, look, I, I'm as imperfect as any 10 people combined maybe. But yielding to God and doing what he asks you to do and serving people and actually giving your life for something greater than yourself, it just creates an amazing opportunity for God to do great things that only attribute to his mercy and his kindness. But I've seen in the last three to five years of my life, a calling, a desperation to multiply. Mm -hmm. John the Baptist said something. He said, when they came to him about Jesus, he said, look, I've got to decrease that he might increase. A generation of leaders, my stage and age, and I'm, I'm 59, there's a time where there's much that we still need to add value to, but there's a place where we now need to decrease. 
so that others might increase. And what my heart is, Doug, is to see leaders multiply and to see young men and women have the opportunity to multiply. A while back, I was just doing my devotional and just reading and where Eli and Samuel were in the temple and God spoke three times to Samuel. And Samuel didn't recognize that it was God speaking to him. So he thought Eli was. So he goes to Eli and he said, go back to bed. Long story short, after about the third time, Eli's like, hey, next time the voice speaks to you, answer it. I'm your servant. I'll do what you tell me to do, basically. And God spoke to Samuel and Samuel did it. When I finished reading that, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart. And in the way he does to a believer, just it's a knowing, if you will, in your heart. And it was this. It was that I could have easily spoken to Eli. He was older. He was more established. But I spoke to this young man, Samuel, because it was the next generation. He, I want to speak to that next generation. And he spoke to my heart and he said, I'm not going to give you the mission and vision for the next generation. Don't ask me. See, Doug, leaders have a tendency to think if we're leading today, we're supposed to lead tomorrow. Hmm. It's, it's a natural thing for leaders to do in any stage of your life. He said, but what I will hold you accountable to is to teach them to hear my voice and how to hear my voice and obey it. So I made a change in direction that I want to see the next generation prepared to hear God's voice and God's plan for their generation. Not that I have to approve of it or even understand it, but to help them to actually be able to do it and to trust God and to learn from the ways and the things. Because walking with God by faith in His grace is timeless. That's not generational. That's biblical, and that's timeless. And so that's where I've become my focus, is, is to grow to the place of equipping other people to lead at a level where they're singularly following God's plan for their life as a leader, and not just under our organization here, even though we're doing that internally as well. You're almost 60, as you mentioned. A lot of leaders are looking to sunset. It sounds like you're looking to multiply and yeah. less of you. And so can you yeah. talk about how are you processing that? Is that difficult emotionally? Is it, I mean, I'm just curious. I've seen you continually, no matter how hard it is or what the sacrifice, have the humility to take the next steps that God's calling you to take. What would be your encouragement to leaders who are in a similar position where? You know, I think one thing you don't know when you're in your 20s and 30s, even though you intellectually know it, is that you're going to die. You're 34, 34 years old. Intellectually, you know that you won't live forever, but you haven't been able to assimilate that into reality yet in your life. It just isn't real to you. There comes a point, and this is where sometimes people go crazy with the midlife stuff, right? <laughs> go get a new wife, new car, whatever, something, or a new wife to put in a new car, you know, something. I'm not, I don't want to die, but there's something about your mortality that changes everything. And you begin to realize that there really is a finite time that you can that you can make an impact in your generation. And so when I see that happening, you can do one of two things. You could begin to look back and say, I wish I could have done this better and that better. And regret is one of the worst emotions in the world. Or you can look forward and say, how can I take all of that, both the good, the bad and the ugly? How can I do all of that and, and yet be able to do it in a way where I'm able to help somebody? to miss a pothole or two, to get over a barrier more quickly, or better yet, to miss a barrier entirely. So in that sense, that's where, that's the, the heartbeat of my life right now is, is to help other people do that. Yeah, and that's where you are now. You've obviously lived multiple decades. I'm curious, if you had to summarize maybe a lesson or two for leaders in their 20s and then in their 30s, 40s, and 50s, I would just be curious what your input is on each of those seasons of life. I would say I could take that in two places for you. I would say what... I did do and what I should have done looking back. Hmm. 
In your 20s, it's a time of development, not a time of achievement. It's a time to stay put and to learn and stay in hard places. Anybody typically who leaves development in their 20s for achievement will suffer a foundational crack. Unless they get that fixed, it'll affect the rest of their life. Mm -hmm. Looking back in my 20s, I wish I would have been more in tune to the understanding that it didn't matter so much what I did, but the manner in which I did it. It didn't matter if I achieved as much as if I did it with a kind of heart that, that would maintain a, a value system that would carry me through the rest of my life. So that's your 20s. Your 30s is a time when your gift mix begins to crystallize. And in my 30s, I, I look and I really did start to step into that gifting part of my life. And because I didn't understand my 20s well, I had to build a foundation intellectually, even through skills that I didn't have, understandings I had no concept of, while I was building the ship, if you will. It's hard to build a ship in the water. <laughs> and, and a lot of times that's what you have to do when you didn't develop appropriately in the right timing. Preparations never wasted time. And so when I look at my 30s, one of the, the pitfalls is I look at is that I expected too much too soon. And I, I thought I would get somewhere much more quickly than I than was appropriate. I heard somebody say this, and I and I think it was Bob Beals, that we overestimate what we can accomplish in one year, and we underestimate what we can accomplish in five. And the older you get, you realize that a five year increment feels like a weekend, but when you're in your thirties, five years feels like forever. So I would set like a one year goal, and it would be unrealistic. So even if you made great progress. You actually became discouraged because what you set yourself up for was the impossible. Hmm. And so if I could go back to my 30s, I would look back and say, wow, I, I would set goals more broadly and more, if you will, in a way that would be more easily reproduced. And because when you're driven, you miss things. So I would have slowed down certain things. There's certain things that I would never slow down. Trusting God, believing God, wanting to reach people. That's all fine. In, in my 40s? Yeah, let me, let me tack on one question in your 30s because sure. I'm there. Personally, I experience this and I see leaders experiencing it. I feel like in the 30s, a lot of people have young families. You're still early on in your leadership development, but yep. you, you want to prove that you're a leader through your performance. Yes. And, and you alluded to this a little bit in the, the, earlier in this podcast. Can you just speak to that? Because I, I do feel like and I'm again, at my worst, it's like if I'm not John Maxwell today, yeah, then yeah. and then I just want to go crawl in a hole. I mean, I'm just being real with what right. I'm going yeah, exactly. through. So it's like, okay, if I don't have this person and this leader and this leader validate what I'm doing, then I'm right. worthless. And I know that's not true, but how did you navigate that? And what advice would you have for leaders going through that now? Well, I'd like to say I've navigated those things well, but you can only do what you can do when you're doing it. But looking back, what I would realize is that it doesn't matter the perception of, of other people and ultimately your own perceptions. Self-judgment is probably the worst because that's the one you go to bed with and wake up with. It's not true. Just because you feel it doesn't mean it's true. Just because a difficult season is there doesn't mean it's true. Just because you set a goal and you didn't reach it doesn't mean you did something wrong. Actually, what you probably did is set the wrong goal hmm. more than likely in your thirties. It's so I would say that is to, is to draw back from, actually counting the, the, the beans and more realize of the, what am I trying to accomplish? What's the broader purpose of what I'm trying to do? Because if you can stay connected to your purpose, and in my case, that's to, to lift people, to lift them to a savior, to see people come to know Christ and walk with them and fulfill the mission and purpose of God in their life. If I could keep that forefront 
and not get caught up in these these individual goals. And there's nothing wrong with counting because people matter, okay? Nothing wrong with goals. There's nothing wrong with evaluation of goals. The younger you are, the more, let me just say it this way, your goals, the younger you are, are a mixture. The older you grow in God, your goals get purer and less of you gets mixed in the goal. So good. And in my 30s, it's unavoidable. And that's why it's so helpful to talk to older people. It's unavoidable of how much of you gets blended into the goal because you're dealing with your own issues, your own insecurities. Michelle and I in our marriage trying to figure out how do we even, because like, I mean, when we came out of a lot, we're trying to figure all this out while you're having kids, while you're building this, why? And it's like, I, you know, what would you, I'd pay a grand for a nap at that stage <laughs> in life, right? Yeah. I mean, you and Laura, where you're right at, it, you'd yep. pay a grand for a nap, yep. right? I'd take out a loan for a nap. And so, <laughs> so you're so hard on yourself. And you, and you put so much that God never puts on you. Hmm. So I would just tell people to truly step back and say, what's my mission? And, and stop setting goals that are, that are so, so aggressive that you actually can miss the purpose. Hmm. And so that's, I think that it's a pitfall for anyone in their 30s that has a passion. Yeah, it spoke to me. Thank you. Well, yeah, I wish it would have spoken to me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm not there yet, but speak to people in their 40s. What, what do they need to know? Well, your 40s is think of more of, uh, to me, it's like the ideal decade of your life. Hmm. It's when you have your gift mix somewhat developed and you also have the strength of being young. And all the things, it's all like, it's like to me, it's like the, the sweet spot. It's when you can start hitting doubles and triples and home okay. runs because you've built around you the right systems and the right people and, and nothing's ever perfect and you're never perfect. And uh, another thing I would tell you that when you're in your thirties, you'll judge organizations by a, a perfectionism hmm. that you think is, is attainable. <laughs> and you'll think, well, that wasn't right at that organization. And that wasn't right. And you're probably, you might be right, but your illusion is, is that I can do it differently. And what you'll find out is you're actually human like anyone else. <laughs> and it's just that, that idealism that you can have that can actually make you pretty arrogant hmm. and, and make you where you think, well, we don't do it that way. And we're not going to be the church that does this. We're not going to be the leadership company that does this. We're not going to stop telling people what you're not going to be. If I could tell you anything in your 30s, take the sentence, what we're not, and put it in your pocket because it's full of pride and arrogance so good. and utter stupidity. Just focus on what you're called to do. Stop making yourself comparative. Mm -hmm. Stop telling people that what you aren't and be who you are and let them define who you are. But when you get into your 40s is when it can all come together. And it doesn't mean it's perfect because a lot of crazy things happen in your 40s as well. Life, by the way, keeps happening, okay? <laughs> and uh, your 50s can be a, a very much a sweet spot as well, but it's also a time when you begin to transition and you begin to think in terms of, oh, wait a minute, the sand really does run out of the hourglass. You look in the mirror and you're like, who is that guy? And you, you think that that guy's old, <laughs> you know, and, and you get, you know, in your 50s, you can, well, 50s a new 40, but you know, you're, I'm 59, 60s, the new nothing. You're like 60 <laughs> stinking, 60, 70s stinking, 70. And then you get to where it's like, <laughs> I could be dead now. And you start counting years. You're like, I drive past graveyards and I think they're going to put me in one of those someday. Wow. But I never thought that at your age. Yeah. And so I think as the older we get, the less of us, we decrease in, in our mission. The, the things that we, that we needed that were personal, that, that we really don't need, that really aren't from God, they kind of dissipate. 
and so you, you get purer in, in what you want to see accomplished. And you need less and less understanding that, that you did it in anyone's mind. And ego goes away because you have so many f- fallacies and, and so many failures in your life and so many things you thought you knew that you didn't. And, and you actually realize that the older you get as a believer, as a Christian, and you mature, the opposite happened to what I thought would happen. When I was in my 20s as a Christian, I, I was convinced that I was maybe four to five years, years away from just, man, I got this. I've got this. And now that I'm 59, I feel like I have nothing. There's nothing I feel confident in, in myself. I'm not exaggerating. When I tell you nothing, there's not one thing that I feel confident in apart from the mercy and grace of God. Hmm. Nothing. Now, I might have said that to you in my 30s and thinking I meant it, but it would have been a lie. But I can tell you today, there's nothing. Hmm. And so that abandonment to just the kindness and mercy and grace of God actually makes things purer and purer and purer. And like with anything, purer something is, the more valuable it is. In your podcast, the John Nuzzo Leadership Podcast, which I recommend everyone go and subscribe to, you talked about a book that greatly impacted you recently called Hero Makers. Mm -hmm. You made a statement that, I mean, it didn't really throw me off, but I just thought it was a strong statement that if you could go back 25 years ago and read only one book that would have changed the trajectory of your leadership, it would have been this. Can you talk about the book, but why did that have such an impact? And can you talk about how, why you wish you could go back and and what would you change? Because the book is about being a multiplier from day one. And one of the reasons, Doug, that, um, that I love what you do and that Michelle and I personally are so excited about the success of the call on your life is that you actually are a hero maker right now. You're devoting your life to serving, not just on, uh, in your leadership company, but even what the work you do with the homeless in Pittsburgh is you're, you're building people. Now I, I worked to build people. I really did the best I could, but I was so busy building an organization and the people just within that organization to do a role in the organization that I couldn't think beyond it. Now, part of that is just life, you know, but that's the value of getting a book like hero makers when you're 25 or 35 and seeing some of these values and learning from them and say, okay, how can I create a, a place of, of development in people that my organization doesn't become the lid? And better yet, my growth doesn't become their lid because I'm limited. Hmm. And so in doing that, if I could have done that younger, I know we could have seen a greater multiplication occur through other people, not just within the organization, but outside of it. So, okay. Yeah. Do you have any other regrets in your leadership journey? Huh. I'm just curious. You have, oh. you, you, <laughs> or one or two of the most impactful. Well, let's just say it this way. <laughs> this podcast is not long enough for regrets. Okay. Yeah. The main regret that I have over anything is the things I wasted time on that I thought were important and they weren't. Hmm. The times I missed with my kids over stupid things that I was focused on that had nothing to do with the goal just had to do with my obsession of trying to do something correctly or properly. And I would cut off an arm with a butter knife to go back and do some of those things again. Hmm. That's not an exaggeration because you can't get that back. And I think of the things that mattered to me that don't matter today. Now, by the grace of God, for the most part, the main thing kept the main thing. And that's why I think we've had somewhat of a a continued fruitfulness in God's kingdom. But if you're going to look back, I look back in a sense, if you will, to first, anytime I look back, I'm grateful because I know the mercy of God in my life. if, If God didn't show up in my life, 
I'm, I'm in rehab. I'm, I'm, there's no doubt in my mind I'm an addict because that's where I was headed and that's where I would have been. And I think my whole life I would have been fighting not to use, not to fill in the blank. I would have been a, my goals would have been how long I haven't done something wrong hmm. instead of what I was going to give my life for. And, and those, those regrets are, are they, can, they can sting you. But so I look backwards and I'm grateful, but then I also look backwards and I say, man, if I could have gone back and just eliminated that out of my head, thinking about other people's situations and making judgments about them, even if I didn't tell anybody, the real estate it took up in my mind, mm. being judgmental of people that I didn't know. And I don't mean like judgmental where I wanted their downfall, where I would be critical in my mind and critical of people and think less of somebody because there was something in their life that I thought shouldn't be in their life. And and, and looking at those moments, and some of them were just moments. In fact, there was a time in my life, I was about maybe 37, 38. And there was an organization that I was deeply committed to that I thought was making me into some horrible decisions. And I, and I probably wouldn't disagree with my assessments to this day. But I had no authority in that organization. I had no responsibility. And I found myself even talking to some of my friends about it who were a part of it. And, and I was being very critical. And they were too. And, and we felt, let me talk for me, I felt justified because I cared about it. And then one day I'm just in a time of my personal prayer time and God's spirit, his presence just so convicted me that he said, the level of pride I was living in. Hmm. And he spoke to my heart and he said, look, I've given you a calling and I've given you a row in my garden. Stay in your row. Hmm. The minute you take your head up and you go into another person's row, two things are happening. One is you're entering into pride because you think, you think you don't need to stay focused on what I've called you to do, that you can now go over here. And the second thing you're doing is judging something you don't even know about. You have no concept of what's happening over there. You're judging and you aren't adding any value to them. I called every one of my friends and I said, I want you to forgive me. I said, I've talked to you over and over again. And you know, when you do that to a friend, they're like, man, it's okay. You know, they, they feel <laughs> bad for yeah, you. Yeah. I said, listen to me. I, I've, I've sinned against God. I sinned against those people because, you know, the very people that I felt critical about, it helped me. And then I realized you ungrateful pig. Wow. How ungrateful can you yeah. be? And, and it hit me that I'm so busy trying to fix something I have no responsibility for. I wasn't even grateful for what they did for me. And, and when you really have those moments, you're like, oh, God. And then you, then you can beat yourself up like, oh, God, I, just, I should just quit. Yeah. No one this stupid should run an organization. <laughs> I'm just glad I'm going to heaven when I die. You know, I called all of my friends. And from that day to this, I can honestly say with maybe just maybe two or three exceptions, I will not speak critically of another group, another organization. Now, if I'm asked to think critically in that environment with a person, then I'll certainly do that. But that's not being critical. Critical thinking is not being critical. But boy, and I have a lot of opinions in my head that I could think, <laughs> okay, that doesn't yeah. go away. But I don't, I don't talk about them to anybody because I, it adds no value. And it's such an act of pride. Right. And it sets you up because pride will come before a fall. Yep. I've been there. Yeah. I had a similar situation. Yeah. Crazy. It's but crazy. Thankfully, yeah. we walk with God and he deals with us. Yeah. And he helps yeah. us. Yeah. You know. Last thing I want to talk to you about, you talked about having the authority and responsibility within your own organization. And really, actually, we talked about on your podcast, it's so easy to judge leaders when you're not sitting in the seat they sit, yeah. not having to feel the pressure they feel, the weight of running an organization. Right. I just want you to talk about how do you and Michelle handle the weight that comes with what you're called to do? 
I specifically remember, I think you shared a story, and correct me if I'm wrong, it was a time during one of your building projects. Yeah. And I don't know if you were so frustrated or something, but you basically, I think you, didn't you walk downstairs and you were wearing like a t-shirt and, and shorts and, and said, Michelle, I'm done. And you I'm just done. went to bed. Yeah, I did. I, yes. I, how, how do you go? I, I'm just curious. How do you navigate those times? Well, that, that story way? was actually when we were in one of our building programs and uh, a set of circumstances came on the table that were just so impossible that I'm thinking, God, you, there's no way you yourself can't fix it. This is crazy. <laughs> what am I doing? I left the office and went home and I, I literally just, cause I hang out in my shorts and t-shirt, <laughs> the same ones forever until they fall off my body. And I could, uh, if I could preach that way, I would, I love, I just love being comfortable. And I go to bed and Michelle comes upstairs and she's like, what are you doing? I got, and I, I didn't want to talk. And I said, this, this is impossible. I just, I just have to go to sleep. And, and Michelle is so sweet unless She's not, <laughs> you know, she's like, get out of that bed. She goes, you're not going to live this way. We're either going to trust God or we're not. Tell me now. Wow. And she's like, get out of bed, get dressed and go back. And I'm like, no, I'm going to bed. Leave me alone. You know, we had one of those moments and finally I got up and left and went back. But the things that I looked to, Doug, that were so overwhelming and it's not the, the things you're trying to achieve that will bring you pain. It's, it's relationships. It's people. When you go through this journey, you're as imperfect as anybody else, but you'll find that very imperfect people will expect perfection. And, and, and there's nothing you can do about that. But people that you've poured your life into will, will not care. Well, I, like I just told you, I did for the, another organization. Mm. And I thought, and I'm not, I'm not exaggerating when I tell you, when, when I realized the depths of the sin I was walking in, I was so embarrassed not that I'd said it, but that I had been so dishonorable to God, so dishonorable to these people who were, they're imperfect. But now that I was learning a few things that I'd done for, I'd done something, what, four or five years, I'm an expert. <laughs> you know how much of an idiot I felt like? Hmm. You know, somebody does something two or three years and now they know what they're doing. It's like, you know, it, it, it's, you just don't want to be stupid on purpose is yeah. what I would say. You know, <laughs> that's why I like to learn from others and learn from their stupid so you don't have to repeat it. But boy, People that you would give your life for, you pour your life into, they don't just go away. They go away mad. Hmm. And they're, they're judgmental and they're like, well, this is wrong and that's wrong. And, and there's no gratefulness and there's no honor in people. And you, th and you begin to think, well, wait a minute. And, and then you could start to get like, okay, I'm not, I'm not risking this anymore. But then you go back again to growing up and saying, spiritually, if you will, why would I expect something in them? that I didn't have hmm. at that stage. Huh. We always judge people from where we are. We judge them from a place where we think we might be and we look forward with ignorance and, and pride and, and, and just the ignorance that comes with youth. Or we look backwards with a 20-year gap or a 30-year gap and judge them based on where you're at today. The most painful things you do are the things you create hmm. in the way you perceive things, the way you treat people in, in your head, not in, in, in the flesh the way you perceive the way people are and aren't, the judgments you make that you have no business making. I can judge if what you did is right or wrong. What I can't judge is what drove you to it. Hmm. I don't know why a person's the way they are. I don't know the mitigating circumstances. And man, our journey has gotten easier when I have stopped holding people accountable to a level that I need from them hmm. and then truly begin to pray for their benefit. Say, Lord, 
if I'm right, and I didn't used to say that because I knew I was right, of course, right? I said, Lord, if I'm right about this, I know what's going to happen to them in three to five years. Doug, I can't tell you how many people have sat down with me after I've talked to them about certain things, and they would say, well, you're prophetic. Hmm. I mean, there's no way. I mean, God showed you that. I said, no, he didn't. He showed me nothing. But how could you be so spot on on what was going to happen in five years? Because if you kick somebody, they're going to bruise. If somebody has this practice, it creates this. Not every other time, every time. Tomato seeds don't make peppers. And if they don't deal with that, if I'm right, this is going to be the outcome in their marriage. This is going to be the outcome in their organization. And so I'm now genuinely praying for their benefit. Instead of saying, hey, how does this affect me? It's always people are people. People are going to be grateful. People are going to be ungrateful. People are going to be mature. People are going to be immature. And I can never do what I do for the basis of how other people treat me. Because for the most part, people are focused on their own lives. And that's, we're the same way, you know? Right. So stop expecting from other people what you yourself are not able to give. And that's helped me a lot. Anything else you want to leave leaders with today? Don't quit. Wow. Yeah. Because if, if you're going to lead something that God tells you to do with your life or that's meaningful, then it's not easy. It's, it's, not, it's not going to fall out of the sky. And there are going to be days when it looks like we should just put a tombstone on this. And what I encourage leaders to do is to ignore the funerals. When other people would put a tombstone, you ignore it. And you just keep, keep doing what God's put in your heart to do. doesn't mean you don't make adjustments, it, particularly if the funeral is a result of your decision. But circumstances are going to come because you live in a world that is not going the same direction as, as helping people. Is that when that when somebody hands you the, the tombstone and said, just plant it and give up, don't. There's too much at stake and not your success, but the people on the other side of that, the human beings that Jesus died for. He is, the scripture said, we have not yet resisted sin to bleeding, to blood. There are people, though, that have been martyred in their faith, more martyrs today than at any time in human history. And I think of myself today and I think, what price am I paying in, the, in, in America? Hmm. Somebody posted something about me. <laughs> Somebody wrote an article against me. Wow. Somebody has an opinion against me. And yet there are men and women in Myanmar or Vietnam or places in the world where they're being imprisoned for their faith. They're being beaten for their faith. They're being killed for their faith in China. These aren't hypotheticals. In the last 24 hours, someone on this earth has been put to death because of their faith. And I think of those men and women. They did, under blood, obey God. And I think of them and I think, Lord, this is nothing. Wow. They would laugh at this to me. They would laugh. They would think it was actually a gift to have my problem. Hmm. And so the perspective of realizing that there's a big world out there in my segment of it, I better be grateful for every, every kindness that I've received from God and be so thankful and just believe the best about people and don't give up and believe the best about yourself. Stop being so hard on yourself. Because leaders, we're brutal. We are brutal with ourselves. Yeah. Just be, be, take it, take, give it a break. There's a devil to destroy you. Mm -hmm. Don't, don't jump, join that club. So that's what I would leave you with. Well, I thank you for not quitting. I think I was in year 10 of the church when I, my life was changed. So I'm glad you made it past there. And now we're celebrating, what, 26 years? Yeah. Yeah. Victory Family Church. So thanks for not quitting. Same no, it's an honor. I'm yeah. grateful. I'd like to thank our sponsor, Henny Jewelers. They're a jeweler owned by my friend and mentor, John Henny. 
My wife, Laura, and I both got our engagement and our wedding rings at Henny Jewelers, and we absolutely love them. Not only do they have great jewelry, but they also invest in people. In fact, they give every engaged couple a book to help them prepare for their marriage, and we just love that. And so if you're in need of a good jeweler, check out Henny Jewelers at HennyJewelers.com. I'd also like to thank our sponsor, Bab Inc. Bab is an insurance broker, a third-party administrator, and consulting firm led by my friend and mentor, Russell Livingston. Russell is extremely passionate about developing the next generation of leaders, which is why he's partnering with us on this podcast, and he's also opened up his offices here in Pittsburgh to host our monthly leadership events, and we are extremely grateful for that. The nonprofit that I work at, Light of Life Rescue Mission, started using Bab as our insurance broker around three years ago, and we've had an unbelievable experience with them, and we highly recommend them. So if you or your organization has any insurance needs, please check out and learn more about Bab at babbins.com. That's B-A-B-B-I-N-S.com. Well, hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to my interview with Pastor John Nuzo. I hope that you enjoyed it as much as I did. You can find ways to connect with John and links to everything that we discussed in the show notes at l3leadership.org forward slash episode 240. As always, if this episode added value to your life, please share it on social media. Let us know what stood out to you. Let us know what impacted you. Pass it on to another leader who needs it. And as always, if if you enjoy this podcast, it would mean the world to us if you would leave a rating and review on iTunes. It really does help us grow our audience and reach more leaders. So thank you in advance for that. Also, don't forget to register you and your team for our second annual L3 One Day Leadership Conference, which is being held on Friday, March 13th, 2020. You can register at L3OneDay.com. And remember to use the promo code PODCAST for 10% off. As always, I like to end with a quote, and I'll quote John Maxwell today. He said this, he said, more than anything, leadership is a people business. If you want to be in the business of leading, you've got to first be in the business of loving the people you lead. Such a great reminder. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the podcast and being a part of L3 Leadership. Laura and I appreciate you so much, and we will talk to you next episode. 